Hi, I'm Amanda. I'm Tina, and it is what it is. Welcome to It Is What It Is, a podcast where two sisters show up as authentically as possible in an effort to empower themselves and others to heal, learn, grow, and live a life that is better than you ever dreamed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to It Is What It Is. Hi. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we are recording this episode on Wednesday at 7 p.m. and it comes out in just a few hours. We really have our lives together this week. Let me tell you what. Absolutely not. Yeah. <sighs> we just had it's been it's been a week and uh but you know, we are committed to this podcast and showing up and so here we are. You know what? And you know, part of this podcast is showing up as authentically as possible. And right now I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit of a mess. I'm holding my selenite trying to charge myself up, but I am, I am being sad right now. <laughs> comes at a, I'm, I'm, it comes at a good time to talk about head shrinking. Let me tell you what. Yeah. Today we're going to talk about therapy. And before we dive into that, I'm going to read from, this is a different book. This is Fresh Peace, Daily Blossoming of the Soul, Inspirations by Jaya John. Maybe so, I should just put that book on my head and let it be like uh, osmosis and I will absorb all the peace and then I won't feel so weepy all the time. Oh, oh, there's a dog walking. And the dogs have to let me know that that's happening. So sorry. Excuse me, Toby. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. I apologize. A young girl is playing in a forest meadow, dancing in the shafts of sunlight and chasing butterflies. She is the happiest she has ever been. From the trees steps her parent, who gently says, honey, it's time to go. Today has a wish for you. May you be the happiest you've ever been. May no one step into your happy space and tell you it's time to go. And most of all, if someone does, may you never listen. Wow. And I'm just going to take this pointy part of that selenite and just say, piss off. <laughs> oh, all right. So therapy. Uh, we decided that this should be the first topic that we cover because... Um, well, first of all, Tina and I have had quite a bit of experience with therapy since we were kids. Um, and I want to preface this episode by saying that for me personally, and maybe Tina agrees, I don't think that therapy is the end all be all of working through your shit. Um, Hell no, brother. Oh my God. Um, I think that I've learned a lot about therapy and through therapy and um, for me, this was kind of like my foot in the door to start my healing journey. Like this just felt therapy was what I knew. 
it was comfortable. Um, and it's, it's not been like directly through therapy, but it's, I've, I've come to other things, but this is, this is kind of how I got started and started taking my hair healing seriously. Um, so it just seemed like the first logical step. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, we're going to talk a lot about like what we believe about therapy and, uh, yeah, all of that. It's the, it's your foot in the door. It's a step for yourself, for your healing, for you to show up for yourself. I mean, how often every week do we allow ourselves time just for us? An hour of being able to say whatever you need, however you need it, get the advice that you need, the questions asked that you need. I mean, that's such a foreign, such a foreign thing to us to take time for us, for our well-being. Yeah, I mean, I just had to pull out my calculator because I can't do math in my head, but there's 168 hours in a week. And like, you're only taking one of them for yourself that you should take at least one. You should take several. Well, and currently on my therapy schedule, I know that was like judged at me, but my therapy schedule, I go once every other week. So I give myself 30 minutes a week when we break it down. Mm. Hmm. Hmm. I'm going to ponder that. Okay. Self-reflect. You do that. All right. Um, all right. So we're going to kind of go through like some main themes here. And the first one is you have to find the right therapist. Matchmaker, matchmaker, find me a match. Has anybody ever watched Mrs. Doubtfire? If you have not watched Mrs. Doubtfire, you are not allowed to listen to this podcast. That's not true. <laughs> it's a rule I just made up. But okay, you can listen. But also, you need to watch Mrs. Doubtfire. Anyway. But really, though. Yeah. You have to you have to find the right therapist. I feel like a lot of people go to therapy and they go once or twice and um, I, like, I don't know how many times I've heard, and I've even said this myself, like, mm, just didn't feel right. Like I wasn't vibing with that person. I didn't feel comfortable. And like, if you don't, that's fine. Go find another one. Yeah, that's yeah, exactly. You are not, and I have a friend and we were talking about that too. They were really nervous about going and um, you know, what if we don't get along? I need this, this, and this. And I was like, the beauty is, is that you don't have to go back. Like, it's like, it's kind of like speed dating. Like that's a horrible way to put it, but like you should speed date your therapist to see if you guys drive. Because if you don't, if you're going to get somebody that's going to like, I don't want to say judge you because therapists aren't there for judging, but if they aren't in tune with who you are, how you are, what's going on, like, it's just going to make you feel worse. And that doesn't mean that that therapist is bad. It just means it's not the right one, not the right fit. Well, like I, I talked a little bit about um, this in my episode where I was seeing a therapist at the beginning of last year. And uh, I will say this was when you could still go in person. Um, and like her, I felt comfortable in her office. And at first I thought, you know, it was going to be fine. But just after a while, I didn't really feel like I was making any progress with her. And like I mentioned this before, but she forgot an appointment one time and she cut an appointment short and then she straight up broke up, broke up with me. But like it all worked out because shout out to Danielle. Um, she's the best. And I've, I've made a lot of progress um, and I've been working with her since like August of last year. But yeah, so 
And the other thing too, is like the first appointment when you go to therapy is always the like, tell your life story. It might even be a couple episodes or a couple episodes, a couple sessions, like depending on how ridiculous your life is, like you may not be able to tell your whole story within an hour. So those are the worst sessions. I mean, I feel like we should just come with like a giant case file of like, here, read this in your free time and then get back to me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like flip through this and then we'll start. But like, that's, that's, those are some of the hardest ones to show up to because you have to tell your whole story to someone that you just met. So, <clears throat> well, and what I've noticed too, is like, I've had several therapists slash counselors over the years. And when I was in grad school, I started to go to counseling. Actually, it was my junior, anywhere, some point in college, I utilized the counseling center. And I noticed that like you're, how do I want to say this? My ability to talk about our life story was very hindered because I did not feel like I was in a safe space with that person. I didn't think they were a bad person. I just like the energy was off. Our energies were not synced up. And like when you have your story, which is valid, you want to be able to express that, get it out and not leave feeling like, Oh great. I'm a, you know, I'm crazy or that sucked. Why am I going to do this? Yeah. So if you, you know, if you're not feeling it, find somebody else. And and you can, you kind of have to like go to figure this out, but also like, the, uh, what's the website? Therapy Today or something like that. Like you can go and most therapists will have like a, a bio and like what they focus on. Like if it's family stuff or addiction or um, body thing, body issues, whatever. Like you can go through and see specifically what they focus on and kind of narrow it down from there too, even before you go. Right. Right. Well, and like your first session should just be like you talking. And like, we had an experience where we both went to a therapist that remember that therapist when we were kids, we didn't go together in the same room. I was going to say, you know, I don't remember anything. Well, the therapist basically told us that like it was Diana's fault for our father and like all of this stuff. And like, it was a horrible first experience. Like we left crying and this was going to therapy as kids. So like, I don't yeah. know. It's just, it's really important to find the right fit. Yeah. I, I you was not, nah, I don't, I remember nothing. Dude. I remember nothing. Um, I need that kind of brain. I don't know. I had, I had an experience with a therapist. I don't know if I was in high, I think I was still in high school, but, um, I expressed to her that I was suicidal and I don't, I don't like, I don't think that I actually was, especially after what happened with our dad. But like I expressed that and our mom, Diana, if you, if you hear us reference Diana, she's our mother. Um, she found out about this like after the fact and it was like this whole thing where she got pretty upset with that therapist for not telling her. Um, yeah, rightfully so. Because you were a minor. Yeah. And I've had, um, I've been all different kinds of therapists. I've had a lot of experience with therapists. Like I went to one, I don't like, I don't know if it was uh, therapy per se, but I was there like specifically to work on my issues with my body. That that didn't stick. Um, Is that the landmark for you? I, wh- 
How do you remember this shit? I, I don't know. Maybe. maybe. I remember that. I don't know. But anyway, what we're trying to get out here is one of the biggest things in, in having success is, in therapy is finding the right therapist. And you may have to go through a few before you find it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I've found a good one. I did too. Shout out to Rebecca. Yep. Danielle and Rebecca. Um, yeah. So how, how do you know you found a good one? You don't feel like a pent up sack of shit. (laughs) Okay. Uh, And it might take a couple sessions too. Like my first, my, my current therapist that I have right now, um, first session I was like, Hmm, I think that they're really analyzing me or I don't know. Just a lot of pauses and, and, but like what I've learned is that she just, she takes time, she takes a pause and that unsettles me, but she takes a pause to like think about what I just labbed because I have word vomit in therapy. I just like have to push it all out. And then she responds eloquently and directly. And that's, so I learned that after like two or three sessions of like, okay, this is what I need. This is, this is working. Stop making it a big deal. I think that I know that I have found a good one. Number one, because like I can see the progress that I'm making. And sometimes she has to remind me of it. Same. um, But also like one of the biggest things with her is that like she, and I guess this is how therapy is supposed to work, but she pulls it out of me. Like Mm -hmm. I, every conclusion I've come to, she didn't tell me like, this is what's going on. Like she leads me there and then I realize it and I'm like, oh, well, that's devastating. <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so she's really great about getting getting me to where she can she can pick up on where I'm trying to go and what I'm trying to say, and then she gets me to say it myself, and then it's like a you know all these like realizations. Yeah, for sure. So that's that's uh, I think that's all we have to say about finding the right therapist. Now, the next theme is that therapy only works if you want it to. Yes. And also, well, you talk for a second and I will respond. Okay. Um, This is one of the biggest things that I've come to learn about therapy is that it only works if you want it to. And before I started working with Danielle, um, I very much had the attitude that therapy does not work for me. It will not work for me. And I realized eventually that it wasn't working because I didn't actually want it to. Like I was showing up with very surface level things. Um, Like I, I I wasn't actually ready to fix anything. I was actually pretty comfortable being a victim. And when I was preparing for this episode, I went back and looked at my intake forms for my current therapist. And I want to share some of the things. Um, that were, that I put on there. And this was, if you recall me sharing my experience of having a meltdown in bed and crying and feeling stuck and all that, this was, this was like right after that happened. So the first question on the form was, what is your major concern? And this is what I said, word for word. I've been to therapy several times throughout my adolescent and adult life. And I don't feel like I've ever really resolved any of my underlying issues. I have lived through several traumatic experiences the sudden and tragic loss of family members, my father completing suicide, being cheated on by almost all of my partners and more, 
It sounds strange, but I feel like I'm at a turning point in my life. I can physically feel the weight of these unresolved issues in my shoulders and my chest. I'm ready to let it go, but I need help doing that. Oh, that was beautiful. (laughs) So the next question asks you to detail your previous experiences in therapy. And this was my answer for that, that I have been to several therapists. I was seeing one that I liked when I lived in Wilmington, North Carolina. Our sessions were limited to talk therapy and I felt like I needed more. I started working with someone in this area earlier in the year and I was hopeful. She started using EMDR, which was something I never tried or heard of before. Um, COVID is somewhat to blame for stalling my progress. However, she started forgetting appointments and stopped the EMDR without explanation. Um, And some of this is repetitive. I've already said that, but I met with her for months and I really didn't feel like I made any progress. She recently told me she would no longer be able to accommodate evening appointments and referred me here. I remember you feeling like that too. Like I remember conversations on the phone of just like, you're like, eh, I'm going. But the way you talk about your sessions now, like I see the difference. Yeah, it's that. Yeah, it's definitely. And to go back to the um, therapist that I was seeing in Wilmington, like I liked her. I was comfortable with her. Um, but I was very stuck on a particular issue, which will we may talk about at another time. But I, I was there was a lot of things going on within our blended family, and mostly I was showing up like kind of to complain. And she net like we never really got out of that that part of me just kind of complain. Like it was like I was going to talk to a friend, and she wasn't really. I don't know if maybe she thought that I wasn't ready for that or what, but it, I just didn't feel like we were actually like moving on or doing anything productive with what I was feeling. Um, but I, as I was looking through my intake forms, I also noticed that there was a question about um, how is your relationship with your partner? And I put better than it has ever been. <laughs> and I, mm. I, so this was like August of last year. And I, I honestly, I honestly couldn't tell you like what was actually going on at that time. Maybe I really did believe that, but, um, Mm. you know, I talked to, I talked in the last episode about how I was lying to everyone most of the time about the status of my relationship with my ex-husband. And Uh it's just kind of funny to me that even though I was ready to like show up differently, you know, like that first answer, I, I was ready for change, but I was not ready to be honest about what was going on in my marriage. Yeah. I wasn't ready to go there. Yeah. And, and what's happened. Go ahead. Never mind. You and I go. Well, I was just going to say is like what ended up happening. And I, I mentioned this a little bit in, in my episode, but I started fo- by focusing on how I could show up differently in my marriage and how I, I could fix my marriage. And Danielle being the gem that she is like, she flipped it to me, like took it out of the context of just my marriage and, mm. and turned it into me talking about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I don't she, know why I'm I'm agreeing like this with my. Mm. <laughs> 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 and you know, she she never told me that I should leave. Like she never she never said anything like that. Like, and that's that's why I said before. Like she's very good at like helping me get to conclusions on my own because it has to come from me. If your if your desire to change is not coming from you, it's not going to stick, or you're just straight up not going to do it. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. And also, we didn't talk about this, but uh, listen, Manta and I know, and I'm doing that thing that you told me I do, but Manta and I know that we come with a lot of experience in traumatic situations. And comma also, <laughs> that does not mean that therapy is only for acute moments of crisis. Therapy is for everyone. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about that later. So for people that are listening that are like, wow, or I don't, I don't even know, I'm just like projecting at this point, but <laughs> you know, whatever you're thinking, um, just know that therapy is for everyone and there doesn't have to be an acute instance where it's like, oh God, this thing is happening, therapy. Like it could be like, hey, I'm pretty happy with my life, but I want to step it up and I'm not really sure where to turn. Maybe I'll talk it out in therapy. Or, hey, I just graduated college and transitioning into the adult world is a big deal. Maybe I should go to therapy. But anyway, we'll talk about that a little bit more towards the end. Okay. But uh, are you done talking about your intake? I can talk about my initial. Yeah, I mean, I think I'll just like sum it up and say that I've gone to therapy a lot and I wasn't actually ready to make any real changes in my life until now. And like, you can see that in the answer I gave to that, what is your major concern question? But it's, if you, your therapist only knows what you tell them. So if you're only going in there with the surface level shit, then that's all they're going to know. And they'll probably have an idea that you're, you're putting up a mask and keeping your walls up, but it's not their it's not their job to tell you what to do or how you should feel. They 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 should get you there through your own head. <laughs> well, and also, if that's what you're doing, I invite you to sit with that. You know, there's only one you. That's correct. But uh yeah, I don't know. I remember my first therapist. You remember everything. Anyway, I had an extreme fear of elevators and we had to get on an elevator to get up there. (laughs) Why are you laughing at me? You had an extreme fear of elevators? Oh, yeah. I broke my wrist at ECC in New Jersey and I was, they like taped my arm to a, a container top to like stabilize it before dad came. And they're like, yeah, you're going to have to go to the emergency room. I ripped that stuff off. I was like, look, I can move it. Because I thought to go to the emergency room, you'd have to get in an elevator. I don't know why. I don't know why. Don't ask me why. Hmm. But Maybe you died in an elevator in a past life or some shit. <laughs> I don't know, but I was <laughs> real scared of them. Um, hmm. I'm also afraid of the car wash. Fun fact, still to this day. But I do it because Tilly deserves a bath. Anyway, now that I've gone off on this rambling tangent, Tony Griffin, Griffith, either or, potato, potato, she helped us get through, helped me get through our grandmother's passing. That was the first time anything really major happened, and our grandmother died of cancer, and uh, she died pretty quickly. She got diagnosed, and then six months later, she, she went, she said she saw angels in the front yard and went to be at the angels. Right on, Grammy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so basically that was a lot. But she gave me this book, Good Grief, It's Sky Blue Pink. And like, I still think about that every time I see it. I'm like, oh, there's Grammy in the sky. Don't know where I was going with that story, but just making the point that therapy has been with me since I was like six years old. Um, But this last time that I 
started therapy with Rebecca, it was like, like I said, like my anxiety had gotten to a point where I just like couldn't function. And there was a lot going on in our blended family, a lot going on between our parents, a lot, just, just a lot. And a lot of transition, a lot of, uh, you know, learning how to be married, learning how to have in-laws, Paul learning how to have in-laws, like, and I just needed help to navigate through that. So I didn't necessarily have an intake. I just remember our first session. She's like, so what do you want out of this? Do you want to come here for an hour and to be able to just like talk and give you a safe space to do that without somebody judging you? Or do you want advice? And she's like, you know, talking, like hearing you talk, you sound very rational, which is like such an annoying thing. It's like a good thing. I'm rational, but it's annoying because I know the rational like thing I need to do, but then it pairs with escalated emotions and crying and whatever when I'm in that heightened state. So it's really hard to like get out of that. So she's really helped me to establish some boundaries and kind of have a journey back to myself and stop being such a doer for others. And it's, it's, uh, come off as like, I refuse to see people, but really I'm just trying to see myself. Hmm. Yeah. That's been a huge theme in therapy for me too, is that there's a huge disconnect between my logical mind and my emotions. My logical mind is solid AF, like, especially when things are bad or there's a crisis or things need to be figured out. My brain is like, all right, this is what we need to do. We need to go here and we need to do this and we need to do that. But like, I, I don't feel the emotions that come up with the things. Like um, one of the things I talked about in therapy early on was that when my ex-husband cheated on me before we got married, I, um, I read books, I listened to podcasts, like I did, I did everything that I could do to logically understand what happened and why it would happen. And, and so that helped, but I never felt the emotions of it. And that, you know, that became clear pretty early on, but that's just been a major theme in my life in general is that I power through and I figure things out and, but I press all the emotions deep down to the point where like I have trouble even accessing them. Um, well, I think it was a really like integral part though of your journey to heal because I mean, going through that and cheating and like trying to understand it helped you understand him. And I don't think a lot of people get that in situations where they cheat because it's always like the once a cheater, always a cheater, which like, um, unfortunately in this situation it kind of seems like that, but it's also so much more than that surface level statement. Yeah, I logically, I can understand why he did the things that he did. Just not just cheating, but like, I can understand why he is the way that he is as a human. And I have compassion for that. But um, that doesn't mean you have to partake in it forever. And like, I think that's the important thing is like, at the end of the day, take it for what it is, grow from it and, and move on my little butterfly. Yeah. And so not just with that, but in general, I've been, I've been consciously making an effort to reconnect with my emotions, feel what I need to feel when I need to feel it and stop letting my brain drive the ship. (laughs) 
And it's hard. It takes active work, but it's worth it. Right. Yeah. So anyway, that was a lot about uh, therapy is what you make it. Yeah. Um, not to be random, but I could sing one of the songs out of Tony Griffith's books. Do you want to? <laughs> a little. She had a CD. Oh, it was about grief. Like it was and her it, song? Yeah, she wrote the book and, and had it illustrated. And it was about this chicken who hatched hatched an egg and or like laid an egg and then this wolf came up and ate the egg because he was hungry and like didn't give two shits about Uno was named was the egg because she only laid one. And so she's like really sad. And then she goes to this horse and the horse is like, yeah, I remember when I lost my mom. And then it breaks out into the song. It's like, life is round in a circle, full of constant change. Don't <laughs> laugh at me. It means a lot. I'm sorry. You've got to play the game. Anyway. Anyway, I just think that, like, sometimes when I'm driving, I still think about that. I'm like, that be, that it be, Tony Griffith, that it be. <laughs> Oh, man. Oh, jeez. Poor little Uno. And then the wolf was like, life. Life is hard and cruel. There's pain in the game. I'm probably, like, ad-libbing some of the words, but basically Wolfie was not a resolved little wolf, and he needed some therapy of his own. Oh, yeah. Wolfie needed therapy for sure. But Chicky was uh, dealing with the loss of her little Uno pretty well. She was grieving. Mm. Did you get that? I don't know. Okay, hello. Let's talk also, about some more. You're like when you get super close like that, it's it's a lot like for the sound. So don't <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, all right, all right. Third thought. There's nothing wrong with coupling therapy and medication. I think I'll take the reins on this one. Go for it. Uh, this took a lot for me to understand. I, I don't know. I've had a bad view of medication because our father had eight different prescribers up and down the East Coast to cope with his own mental illness. And not that that's right, but it just made me very scared. Like, oh, I guess if I like, I used to think that ibuprofen could be addictive. Like, but now I pop eight, uh, 800 milligrams of that. I'm like, it's all right. Oh my, God. my my pinky hurts. <laughs> it does. Um, but yeah, I just used to be like really scared. And then, you know, mom and the whole like trying to save us from ourselves and getting a little amped up when, uh, yeah. Uh, so I used to think that therapy was like the fix. And that just like really deterred me. I was like, okay, well, if I'm in therapy, then this is going to fix me and I'm going to be fine. And like I said, that's due to my own fear based off of our familial history. But also I thought it just meant that I was less of a person because of it. Like, and I don't think mom necessarily like gave us that ideal that like when you take medication, it means you suck. I think she was just more scared that like we have addiction in our family, but in my own brain, I was like, wow, I guess that means that you're a crappy person or like you're weak or, and the the, the crazy thing about it too is like, I, for other people, which that sounds like those backhanded compliments. Oh, well, it doesn't work for me, but like look good on you. But like for seriously, 
other people, I'm like, they need that to be okay. And that makes sense. And that's all, that's perfect. But for me, it was like, if you do this, you're done. And that, I mean, also, I remember one time in grad school, I was very, very, very stressed. And I thought maybe I needed some medication to help me through grad school, like help me through grad school. And I remember calling mom. I don't know why, but maybe something about the insurance. Oh, there was nobody in in Farmville. Like there was no psychiatrist that could see me. Like I think it was like a four month wait to get into the one office there. And mom and I weren't in the place to be able to talk about that. And she was just very, um, very scared. She didn't want me to end up in a position that our father was. But uh, yeah, I thought, I don't know. I don't know what I thought. So when, when I talked to my current therapist and she's like, have you ever considered it? I was like, Oh no, 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 definitely not. Like I could do this. I could power through. And then, you know, when I broke down in my doctor's office, just from when he said, Hey, how are you doing? I was like, all right, maybe I I should give this a try. (laughs) And I remember having a conversation with Chris and he was like, yeah, you know, like, it might not work, but you can give it a try. And if it doesn't work, like let your doctor know. And, um, you know, you can see what's what there's no harm or shame in it. And Paul was also very supportive, which really helped me. Like, he's like, you have to, you have to make these decisions that are going to benefit you. And there's no use in you like walking around feeling more miserable because you feel like you're breaking some sort of rule. And that's really what I thought I was doing. I was like breaking this like code of ethics within myself, but what I learned is that it's really helped me. Like I, I envision like things a million times worse than they actually are. And that's something that's still a work in progress, but it's a lot less severe in my head. Um, now that I have, a, have some medication to help me. Like, for example, I remember I never told this girl, but I was at her house my friend Jessica and I spent the night and I don't know where, like I just started thinking about death. I don't know why, not like I wanted to die, but death, just death in general. I think it was after Sophie died. I think that's why I was like, so not okay at that moment, but I couldn't sleep. And we would always sleep up in the um, like loft area of her parents' house when we would get together and it was pitch black in there. And I just remember feeling like I couldn't breathe. I just like had to get out. I kept trying to sleep, but I couldn't make it happen. And every time I closed my eyes, I just couldn't get my brain to stop. And so this is like before I graduated college or anything, but um, I, I left, I had to leave at like 2.30 in the morning um, because I was just so, so worked up. Uh, so I went home and Chris was there. He thought that I was like, a burglar and he stayed up with me for like three hours to talk to me about that and that it's okay. And, but yeah, it's like moments like that where I think that's like a normal way to react to things. But then I realized that it's okay to like need help in areas and I'm able to turn the tabs off in my brain at night, which is like my biggest difficulty. So bottom line is, is like, is there is as medication the only solution? No, I don't think you should treat it like that. I think that if you need it, there are resources available to you. There are conversations that you need to have with your doctor and your therapist to, to see if it's right for you. 
Um, but it's not something to feel ashamed of. And, and if you take that step and decide to do that, be proud of yourself. Um, and you know, anytime that you're given a medication that could be addictive, like you need to be responsible. So be proud of yourself for taking that step, but also know that all behavior has consequences. True that. Another famous Diana quote. True that. And also I don't have any experience with, um, medication in this way, but, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that like, if you, if you're prescribed something and it's not working, then you talk to your doctor and they adjust it. Like just, just like trying to find the right therapist. Like I, I feel like it's probably the same with finding the right medication is like, you may have to make some adjustments or try something completely different before you find what works for you. It took me three types of medication until I found the right one. They all did their job of turning the tabs off in my brain. Um, one made me very fat very quickly, so I wasn't really vibing with that. Uh, one gave me heart palpitations, uh, so I stopped taking that. And then the other one was like an as needed, but it makes me a little dizzy, so I don't really take it. And then this one that I have now is is the right fit. I take it at night. I don't have to worry about like eating before it. Like, so yeah, you're right. And it should be like a very fluid, uh, conversation with your doctor. Like when trying to get to the right point with mine, I was in there monthly to be able to talk about it. How was I feeling? What was I noticing? Um, and that's really important because you don't want to feel like a zombie. That was also another fear. And a lot of people have that too. Like I have, a, uh, another friend at work who, it uh, also happens to take some medication and um, she, she too, she was like, it just makes, it made me feel, it took her a couple tries. So don't be discouraged. And it's not, it like takes a good, that's why I say like a month, it takes like a month for it to kind of start to take effect. Um, but yeah. Faux show. Well, all right then. And I have a pillbox like an old woman now with all my vitamins <laughs> and my crazy pill. You're not crazy. I know. I just, you know, it's my dark humor. <laughs> That's all. All right. Theme number four. There's more to therapy than just talk Ooh. therapy. This is my time to shine. I am a nerd and I love citing sources. <laughs> so, directly from the American Psychological Association, people seek psychotherapy for a range of reasons in everyday life. Some pursue psychotherapy for treatment of depression, anxiety, or substance abuse, but others want help with coping with major life transitions or changing problem behaviors, i.e. the loss of a job, a divorce, or the death of a loved one. Yet others need help managing and balancing the demands of parenting, work, and family responsibilities, coping with medical illness, improving relationship skills, uh, or managing stressors that can affect just about all of us. Anyone can benefit from the psychotherapy and become a better problem solver. And I think that that last little chunk, anyone can benefit. Okay. You're not a lost cause. Even if you feel like you have lost all hope or that you've given up, like nobody is a lost cause unless you decide you're a lost cause. Let me repeat that again. Nobody is a lost cause unless you decide you're a lost cause. Okay. It all stems inward. And that's what therapy is all about being a problem solver, because I'm just going to go back and quote 
Jessa Reed, like this life is like a giant video game. Okay. And you're hacking these different levels. And this is not probably doesn't make very much sense to you because you don't, you may not listen to Jessa Reed's podcast, but that goes, you know, that goes kind of hand in hand with this being a problem solver. If you like being able to hack those levels, those hard levels of like shitty coping mechanisms, or why do I get escalated when there's like a hairball on the floor and I have three dogs in this house, like things like that. So yeah. Um, by unlocking new information and just gaining new downloads, uh, that helps you in your own ascension journey, whether you're a woo woo ascensioner or just like ascending in your life and becoming a happier person. Um, and, and Jessa Reed's not like the end all be all proponent of therapy. I'm sure she is a supporter of it, but she's just kind of like cut the shit and live your best life. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, before I say what I'm going to say next, I, we, you kind of mentioned this a little bit before, but like, I very much believe that you should go to like, I, now that I have made such progress in therapy, I can't imagine it not being part of my life. Even if I'm only going once a month right now, I'm going once a week. That's what I need right now. Um, but before that I was going once every other week and, you know, you know, and that's, you know, that's the point is it fluctuates, but even when things are good, like just to check in, see how things are going. You don't like, like you said before, you don't have to be in active crisis mode to be going to therapy. You can just go just to maintain. Yep. Yep. Just to shrink your head. Well, and it's like, we're like, think about it in the analogy. Would that be an analogy? The right word, metaphor, analogy. Anyway, I'm making a connection. So please pay attention. Like a car. Okay. You can't let your oil, like right now, I, I relate to my car. My car, I'm very embarrassed to say this, and Paul is very annoyed with me. 3,000 miles overdue for an oil change. Not proud of that. But that's kind of how I feel right now in this current week. Like, I need a little maintenance work, okay? I've been ignoring my tapping. I have not been pulling cards for myself. Um work has been stressful and I've been just kind of like sitting there staring into the abyss. I did have a really good day today though. Um, at work, I was really happy. I got to work with my favorite, uh, coworker. So that was fun. But yeah. So think about therapy, like going in for your oil change. Okay. You're rotating the tires or whatever, however you want it to make sense for you. Like you wouldn't blatantly ignore your car. Like I am. Um, you need, you need maintenance and that's all right. And, you know, some people say, oh, therapy isn't for me, but I just think that that's just like a, a wall, a have security you, wall. Have you tried it though? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, come have over. you really tried it? Yeah. Come over. Yeah. Let's go to therapy. <laughs> let's go shrink our brains. <laughs> uh. But, uh. I was yeah. going to go into like couples therapy, but that's well, before happened. you do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have can... your moment. I'm giving you the talking. Actually, this isn't selenite. I'm giving you the talking selenite. Grab it. Thank you. Amanda just grabbed it from the video. <laughs> if you guys didn't know, we record these through Zoom. So that's why sometimes the uh, sound quality is a little shysty because sometimes there's crazy windstorms in the background. Well, and sometimes you scream into your microphone and it doesn't like that. What of it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. Yeah, before we move on to couples therapy, just 
like there's there's CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, which is a form of talk therapy, I think. I'm, I could be wrong because I'm not a therapist. But one of the types of therapy that I've been playing with uh, is EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. And so what happens is my I'm, I'm doing virtual therapy right now and she'll send me a link and it opens up this thing and I'll have headphones in. And in my ears, it just it's beeps from like one ear to the other. And then as I'm listening to the beeps, there's a dot that I follow with my eyes that goes back and forth. And so she'll we're in a specific memory right now. Um, and I, I asked her this the other day, like, do you have to like level up before you can get out of this memory? So apparently I'm not ready to move on from this memory yet. And the it's it's kind of like a series of memories that I am dealing with right now, which is like finding about finding out about my husband cheating and uh, like the conversation that we had that ultimately led to me leaving. Um, so she'll take me through and ask me to like like notice where I feel things in my body and what what thoughts come up. Um, and I'm like a very, I, ha I haven't always been this way, but I'm a very visual person. Like I, I can visualize things in my head pretty well. So um, I, I can't remember exactly how this went down, but we were in this memory where I was sitting on the couch with him having the conversation and um, I could visualize myself on the couch talking to him, but there was another me who was at our front door in the house that we lived in together. And she was kind of looking at me like, are you coming? Like, we got to go. Like, it's time to go. And I could feel the me on the couch knowing that I had to go, but not being able to move. Um, it's just, it's very interesting. I don't really know the, like, intricacies of how it works. But um, she told me to, like, pay attention to what comes up for me in dreams. And after, like, after I did a couple sessions of this with this specific memory, I had a dream that I was at the gas station getting gas and somebody followed me in and I wasn't like afraid of them or anything. I just noticed and like I could feel that they were there to talk to me and I paid for my gas and I went to walk out and they stopped me and they just looked at me and said, someone is lying to you. And my reaction was, okay, thanks for telling me that. And then I like got in my car and left. And so I didn't like really think anything of it, but I told her that and she's like, yeah, that was kind of, towards the end when you found out about your ex-husband's shenanigans, like that was your reaction. It's like, yeah, like that doesn't surprise me. I'm being, I know I'm being lied to. So it's just interesting. Um, I don't know what needs to take place before I can level up to the next traumatic memory. But uh, uh, I've also, there's also been a lot going on in life and I've had to have quite a few talk therapy sessions. So we haven't done EMDR for probably about a month, but yeah. So yeah, not only is like, not only is there different things you can go to therapy to talk about, but there's also different things and different modalities that you can use in therapy. Um, can I ask a question? Yeah. Never mind. Ask it. <laughs> oh my God, you're aggressive. <laughs> I was just going to say like, when you do these sessions, every time you tell me about it, I just picture you sitting in a room with like a couch, but no, like just like a couch, like when Squidward goes to the future. <laughs> future. Future. And, but it's the Mario, Mario Kart 
or like you know super mario brothers um, I'm in my living room <laughs> when this takes place. Um, no, but like that's just what I picture when you level up. It's like <laughs> wow. Yeah, I don't. I I guess I haven't reached the part where I eat the rainbow mushroom yet. But <laughs> um. Anyway, sorry to deter from your rich conversation. You're fine. You want to talk about couples there, therapy? You want to talk about couples therapy? Sure. Better know why I did that. Anyway, couples therapy is the shiz. That's it? That's all you want to say? No, 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 no. Um, so, Polly, Walk, and I do go to couples therapy occasionally. Um, we... We've had a tough time, not like a tough marriage, but some of the dynamics in our life have been pretty difficult to manage. Like, for instance, having in-laws and our families are very, very, very different. Um, his family in in the most politest, most matter of fact way, they had a very vanilla life, like white picket fence, you know, just just a good old life. He's not had much trauma. They've had like instances, but nothing to the extent of our life. Mm. Um, they're pretty quiet. They just, they're very loving towards each other, but they're not as self-expressed as we are. And I walked around always thinking that like, that's just how families are. Like you just say what you think and then go off and like whatever. But what I'm coming to notice is that we are kind of like the oddball. So, that really was like a lot for Paul in the beginning and vice versa. Like a lot for me. I'm like, why, like, why aren't we sharing more about how we feel? Like it's just, anyway. So that kind of like created some tension here and there. And so we, we went to therapy to talk about it because we would, we would have discussions slash arguments and it wouldn't really get anywhere because we both were like stuck defending our own families and it wasn't like, it's not like, oh, I hate your family or this. It's just like, I don't understand the dynamic. So it makes me uncomfortable. So going to talk to a therapist to be able to like unpack those things to talk about that um, has been really beneficial. And it's really helped our marriage a lot because um, we did not, I mean, Amanda knows from conversations I've had with her, like we did not have a good way to talk about it. It would always end up very just hurt feelings and well, you just think my family sucks or, um, and clearly if any of my in-laws or our own family is listening to this, like that's not how we, we feel about both sides. It's just, there's differences and you have to figure it out. And like kind of going back to what we said last time, like not everybody is going to receive you the same way. And that was a lot for me too. Like, I don't know. My lack of filter is not for everybody. <laughs> um, but it's just really helped Paul and I, and we're very we're a lot stronger because of it. And he'll come for like little tune-ups here and there, or uh, he doesn't come every single time. But if there's something that we're struggling with, we, we go and talk it out with the therapist. And, and we walk away feeling accomplished instead of like, wow, that was a giant waste of an hour of talking to each other because we didn't get anywhere. So, and it doesn't mean that you have marital problems. I think Paul is the schmoopiest little schmoopy that ever schmooped. Um, 
and he's so good to me and we have a really great time we went to Gourmelts last night and we just like sat and gazed at each other and every time we like roll up to our house we're like wow did we buy that and also a year ago yesterday I put this post on that was like it was like standing outside the for sale sign of your house mark sold I was like one day boo and then here we are and I'm sitting in our house so you know you can have a really great marriage and also need to talk things out with somebody else. I think uh, Paul has arrived home and Bear is very excited about it. Actually, no, that's Toby. <laughs> Toby, could you please stop? Excuse me. Thank you. <laughs> um. My experience with couples therapy, not a, not a success. Uh, I mean, while like we got married, so I guess, I guess it was kind of a success, but. Yeah, but you didn't plant the tree. Oh, uh, we didn't plant the tree. Yeah. Dang it. Um, that is definitely Toby. You're gonna have to edit them out. Sorry. I'll, I'll do my best. We usually record in the late hours of the night. There's still activities going on. Yeah. So, as I've said, um, the mute. My uh, my ex husband cheated on me. Slept with somebody else before we got married, and I told him I wanted to go to couples therapy. He for sure did not want to go, and we went. So I don't know. I think we went maybe like three times, and. It was super uncomfortable and I don't know if this is something I just told myself or if this came from him or what, but I, you know, I do remember that we very much stayed stuck on like the actual act of him cheating, like, like literally like when it happened and like, because at that point I wanted like details, which was probably just more hurtful than anything, but also like, um, it was just like a whole thing. Like, I, cause it happened while I was at work one day and this girl drove from, so it was just like a whole thing. And I guess we spent those three sessions and didn't really make any progress and he was over it. And so I said, we didn't have to go anymore. So we stopped going and but this just kind of brings it back to what we talked about at first is like, I don't know if she was the right person for us. Maybe she was, maybe we just didn't give it enough time, but. um, I'm holding up my talking selenite. Okay. If you have to force it, it's probably shit. Hmm. And I stand by that. Classic Tina one liner. Um, but yeah, so you can have successful therapy sessions, couples therapy sessions. And then sometimes there's things that therapy can't fix. I will also say not that you did this, but it made me think of that. Like therapy should never be like an ultimatum. Yeah. But like you it don't was think that that's that. about you. No, it was kind of that. I like that you were at the end of your rope, like, hold on, hold the phone. Cause you're, I don't want you to like take this into a bad context. I'm not upset. In, I am. Okay. I'm pent up. In that moment though, like you had exhausted all of your resources of being able to help, be a listener, be 
a good wife, which you were, um, and are, you know, whatever, like all of those things. So that makes sense. But if you're like spiteful and you're like, well, you're going to go to therapy and you're going to, you're going to get fixed. That's not, that's not ever going to be like a healthy, like growth mindset type of situation, which is not where you were coming from. It was like, you're going to go, we're going to work on this. We're going to grow together. We both have faults. But if you, if like that, nothing gets me annoyed more than it's like, you need to fix yourself. Yeah. Well, guess what? Nobody, nothing, anybody ever does is because of you is because of them. So maybe you should reflect and realize that you only need to worry about yourself. It's like that little, that's like that little video, that baby. What about yourself? All and right. I stand by that. Okay. Blonk. Needy leaks. Blonk. <laughs> what a long one. Yeah, this was a long one. Um, and it feels, feel good, good about all that. Um, so now it we're gonna really pull... boosted my mood. I'm not gonna lie. Let me let me bring this microphone a little bit closer. It really. I wish you guys could see me. I I have the talking stick. Wow. Anyway, this has boosted my mood. Talking and getting this out. I have like. Uh, I wasn't gonna bring it up, but I have to bring it up because I'm annoying. No, I'm not. I was just gonna bring it up someday, but it's been on my mind a lot. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I was really sad. I've been really sad. Our dogs got into a kerfluffle. And by kerfluffle, I mean my dog had a bad day and almost ate turbo. Uh, and it's been a little traumatic. Uh, and by yeah. a little, I mean a lot. But I just have been really, like, kind of zoned out. And this has felt really good to talk about this and to, like, do something. Like, this podcast is self-care for me. I don't know if it is for you. Yeah, for sure. And... You know, again, if nobody else ever listens, like, I feel like the progression of myself, like, not to, like, toot my own horn, but I've, I started this episode feeling like absolute crap, like I could just go to sleep at any second, and I feel very myself right now. Well, good. That's what it's all about. Oh, my God, I know. <laughs> all right. So am I pulling a card for you, or... Yeah, pull a card for me. All right. And then can you, can you, and you then hear you the can... dogs moving around? No, but I can hear your microphone moving around. Like that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. okay. Well, let me just put my talking stick back. Yeah, put your talking stick down. Um, all right. I'm going to pull a card or, you know, however many decide want to come out. So this is from, I got Hold this. Hold on, I need to tell them to shush. Shush. <laughs> She, she's on mute, but I can see her screaming. <laughs> you good? They had, their first, they had their first football game today, so they're talking about it. Hmm. All right. This is from, I just got this for my birthday. Um, the Halloween Oracle. Oh, wait, let me see the art. Um, and it says. And by they, I mean Paul and my brother husband, Jeff. Yes. Um, it says, experience the scariest night of the year every night. We love Halloween. Ty needs that. She would cry. 
Unleash your inner monster and trick or treat your way into a connection with the most magical and scary night of the year, Halloween. <laughs> yeah, all right. This is for Tina. Okay. That's how Paul's grandpa says everything. Okay. And y'all are as in yellow. All right, I pulled I pulled two. Yay. I'm going to show you, even though they can't see. The first one, Sorry, is, this is adorable. Eternal love. Love is love is love, and it transcends physical death. And look at these little skeletons together forever. Oh, my God. That's going to be me and Paul. <laughs> and then this I mean, one is Lady de los Muertos, acceptance and equality. She cute? Wow, she is real cute. Look at her. She's a baddie. <sighs> and since I just got this, I'm going to refer refer to the book yeah, here but to the book. refer to the book um all right so this has like a little like i guess you would call it a poem and then it's got what it says so um when the body leaves us and our souls are above our possessions no longer nothing remains but the intertwining of love all of us are the product of millennia of love our parents 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 our ancestors by blood and ritual all have some way created the dna that weaves through our bodies love in fact powers life and death. When most of us first encounter death in our lives, we experience grieving too. And in some ways, the feeling that could be described as an absence of love and the absence of that person or being. But the kind of love that is often shared between family members, friends and lovers separated only by physical death is the kind that poet wax uh, lyrical about that is truly eternal and transcends death. Should you choose this card, you're being reminded that love is the most powerful force in the universe. It is more powerful than death itself. Love lingers. It leaves its own legacy. And we should be aware of this every day that we live. For those that are ready for and desiring of a partner, it also indicates that a significant love is close at hand and to be ready to open up to this new experience. Wow. And then the lady of the dead. Dia de los muertos. See, I know my alphabet. All right, acceptance and equality. Pale, you step out of the night in red lace, full flowers upon your crown. You bring the beauty to death, the equality and joy of the underground. The iconic lady of death with a pale skull-like face, zombie eyes, and a rich red funeral flowers in her hair has become one of the most recognizable symbols of Halloween in the Mexican Day of the Dead, El Dia de los Muertos. The original model for this flamboyant lady of death can be traced back to the ancient Aztec goddess. Oh, I'm not even going to try and pronounce that. That's a whole mess of letters. As time went on, the figure remained balanced between beauty and horror and morphed into the lady of the dead and eventually into the more modern graphic of Katrina. It is also reported that the identity of the original Katrina was based on the woman, on a woman um, who was very rich and had everything that she wanted in this life. Yet death takes everyone equally so that it is a reminder that no matter how beautiful, rich, popular, or famous you were, in the end, death takes us all. The Mexican culture has long-standing history of laughing at, at death, seeing it as just another aspect of life. In some ways, death is the last taboo in many Western cultures. We tend to hide away our dying, and some of us may never see the body of someone who has passed in our whole lives, but this was much more common occurrence in the past. Acknowledging wow. that death is a natural process where we'll enter everyone's life at some time, and perhaps until then, we can choose to be life affirming choose to be life-affirming takes away much of the fear. 
Take a light approach to situations initially and it may work out better. If you're holding on to something that does not serve you any longer, in particular material things, simplify and let it go. So I feel like these were both about death. And I feel like for you, part of what this is saying is like, don't take things so seriously. Thanks. You're welcome. Um, and like, you can't take any of your stuff with you. So like what, not, not that I feel like you're a very material person, but you know, what are, what are you focusing your attention on? And you should be focusing your attention on genuine connections and love and things that make you happy. And I was just talking about that earlier on the phone with you. Yeah. Like, and also like you are that girl. It goes back to the quote from my wedding in your, in your speech. It doesn't matter how skinny you are, how good your yoga practices. You're that girl. Well, these you're are the lady you. Dia de los Muertos. Maybe. But also they're in the one with the little skeletons, there's daisies and daisies are a symbol of like innocence and like inner child, child, inner child. Yep. So right. that just keeps, I know she needs something I need to from go you. back to tapping and meditation. All right. So there's your cards. Okay. I'm going to pull from the um, work your light because I just really love this deck and I really didn't like it in the beginning, but it's really growing on me more and more and two just flew out. So. Ah, oh, okay. So these are pretty, pretty uh, self-explanatory. Take a break. A life's work, not a season. Get off the treadmill. And yes, just say yes. So I need. I think that's kind of like for both of us. I mean, take a break from like the crap that isn't serving you. Like that doesn't even need to be like get off the treadmill, but like take a break from focusing on crap that is not serving you well or take a break from self-sabotaging ha ha hint hint next week's episode and go to therapy and work on your crap and say yes to opportunities say yes to tapping say yes to meditation say yes to getting grounded say yes to the opportunities in front of you and that kind of goes along with my reading that i had yesterday like it's not some magic thing that's just gonna come out of the sky like all of what you need is right in front of you and I think like this death energy is big right now too. Like you can't become who you're trying to become if you don't let the parts of you that don't serve you die. Well, and death, yeah. And death isn't just like death, death physically as a person. It's, it's death of a cycle, death of a pattern of behavior, death of tra like traumatic uh, patterns, like uh, phases and cycles. Who is that? Freya. That's one of the, the guides. Let me do some guides. Let me just pull some, a couple guides. Let me just do this. But yeah, I don't know. Knockity, knock, knock. I'm so happy I could shuffle today. I couldn't shuffle yesterday. I was kind of pitiful. I love this, the, the keepers of the light and the work you're like. Also, if there was something I was going to leave this earth with, I would kind of like to leave with all my Oracle decks. <laughs> that would be <laughs> And my tarot yeah. cards. Wow. Mother Mary. 
love and peace. Let go of the need to be right. Choose peace. Mother healing is possible this time. I feel like that kind of goes back to what you're talking about when you went to therapy with your ex-husband and like you wanted all of those details and you wouldn't like, but you were just like, that actually wasn't serving me. Like the righteousness aspect, what was serving me was like looking inward and mother Mary is the tits. If you guys ever need her call on her, she is like the all healing protector, um, of good health, good sanity. She's just, she's a gem. That's our Lutheran and, uh, step down Catholicism coming out. Hmm. Yeah. So, all right. Well, this has been episode four of it is what it is next week. Yeah. Lengthy for show. Next week, we're going to talk about self-sabotage. Um, Woo! Wow. <laughs> That's an interesting reaction to that. Um, Lord knows we do enough of that. Yeah, so we're going to get into that next week. But um, as always, shout out to Jess Walker for doing our cover art. Shout out to Doug Halliday for doing our music. Yes. Um, shout out to all of you for listening. And shout out to the crew at Ascension for helping us on our woo journey. Cause I feel like without them, I wouldn't be in a place to do this. Yeah. And shout out to therapy. Shout out to Danielle and Rebecca. What is it? Ladies with insurance. Woo. <laughs> Nobody's going to get that joke except you, me and Becca and Regina. If they get on. Yep. <laughs> All right. We'll see y'all next time. And that. You stay classy. <laughs> All right, bye. Oh, I'm done. Bye.